Well, hi there, everybody. Sorry to interrupt your other podcasts that you're listening to, but a little uh, fun announcement to make here. Casey, in summertime, we'd like to get up to some antics. And those antics would involve getting a bunch of nerds together and doing what nerds do best, yelling at each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So we are going to do Nerd Debate live this year. <gasps> Nerd Debate 5 live. There we in go. Person. Boom. That yes. is the subtitle. We just came up with it. We will be doing this at the amazing Bullfinch Brew Pub here in Syracuse, New York. So find all the information that you need at our social media or at nightshiftradio.com. We've drank Bullfinch's beer before. Dave, the brewmaster at Bullfinch, makes amazing beers. Check out the amazing stuff that's happening in Bullfinch. You can go to bullfinchbrewpub.com. Come join us on Saturday, July the 29th at 7.30 and be sure to be ready to listen to a bunch of nerds <laughs> argue with each other. <laughs> Alright, we're going to leave your podcast now. Goodbye. <laughs> You're listening to Never Heard of It, a Night Shift Radio original. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a rating and review if you're so inclined. For more information, visit nightshiftradio.com. So, Michael, you know how uh, I've been having my, um, my, my 2022 blade search, trying to find a new yeah. razor that will, will plow through this fucking coarse monstrous growth uh, that uh keeps reappearing on my face uh no 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 small feat honestly like uh as much as i will i will find myself talking shit about uh various razors uh along this process um i acknowledge that it is not a not easy to, <laughs> to chop through the forest on my face but that said <laughs> uh i've completed round one Okay, and uh, one one razor will be definitively not moving on, uh, but but two have uh, have made it made the cut. Uh, You've for... offered a rose to two other ones. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, and so the, uh, the the I was I was actually really disappointed. Bulldog, not it. I, I think we we talked oh. about this uh, maybe last week. That they just like tore my face up, and oh, I thought, well, like, yep. I was like, well, maybe it just, you know, it's it's a brand new, like, fresh, super sharp blade. And also, like, I had let my you know, beard grow a little bit longer than it should have. Like, I'll give it a second chance to see if it does a little bit better when it's been just ever so slightly dulled from the, the first pass through. And it really didn't. It just, it tore my face up that much more. And I'm sure as hell not going to try it anywhere else on my body. Um, <laughs> so... That that was that was the second one. The, Harry's uh, Harry's passed round one, so I'm I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna move them on. Uh, Bulldog did not. I, I tried the uh, the disposable Mach three, uh, which okay. if you remember, part of what uh, set me on this course was remembering back in my early twenties my impulse buy of a Mach three turbo, and how that was like the best shave that I'd ever had. And I've just like I spent the rest of my life since I stopped buying those, trying to get back to that state. And right, that I, feeling. I don't want to go the disposable route. Uh, I like the just the interchangeable blades because I like I like the feel of a good quality handle, and I like throwing less things away. I don't even like throwing the blades away, uh, but you know, I don't I don't know how to sharp, you know, resharpen a, uh, right. a razor blade head. So that's that that is part of the you know, part of the, the the deal with life here. Uh, but the the disposable Mach threes. So smooth, my friend. Pretty good. So smooth. Right. Uh, okay. And like, 
I, I also, uh, in, in all fairness, I didn't let it get as bad. It, it was only maybe like a week instead of like two weeks worth of growth this time around. But it just like right through it. And uh, wow. Yeah. And so uh, that, that, that gives me, uh, that gives me some, some hope that if I went back to the actual, like the good quality, like replaceable head uh, Mach 3, that, that, uh, that would probably work. So I, I might include that in round two. I'm not, I'm not sure yet. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't know what to try next. And I, I and like, I kind of jokingly put the call out there, but like, seriously, any upstart razor companies that, that want to get their name out through uh, through a podcast network, hit me up. Cause I'm, I am on the hunt and I will shill for a good shave. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's one of those things that you do it enough that it's one of those things where it's like you invest in it, right? Yeah. Like I used to be, and and this is very funny because I used to be married to to uh, and uh, you know a, a hairstylist, a cosmetologist, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But I used to not buy good shampoo mm-hmm. for a really long time, and you know e- even even while uh, with her and married to her, I was buying crap shampoo, and I'm then one day I was like. <laughs> Ellen doesn't right. let me. Well, so she wouldn't <laughs> let me use her uh, her nice shampoo. Yeah. So I was just like, well, fine. I'm just going to get my own. <laughs> She's like, you can't use this. This is $40 a bottle. You can't use this. I'm like, okay, fine. Uh, She's like, only <laughs> I get to use it. And But now that's one of those things that I'm like, you know, I, I, think, I think back on how cheap I was about some things that I used every single day. And I get that it's like, well, I use it every single day, so I'm buying it more often. But at the same point, it's like, yeah, but I use this every day. Like this is a quality of life upgrade. Mm-hmm. Like this is worth spending the extra money on because this is a thing that I have to do every day. Well, why why give my hair crap? Why give my face crap? Why give my body crap? Yeah. It's an everyday, like this is an investment in your body. And I was like, no, I I, I gotta go with the good, uh, the good shampoo. So it's... like I've upped my shampoo, my face wash, like body wash, like everything. I no longer buy the cheap. You know, off the counter stuff. I buy really, really good. You know, I'm a big fan of Lush. Mm. Lush is okay. Yeah, uh, yeah I'm yeah. a very big fan. There's a there's a shampoo, um, which I don't necessarily need, uh, but it's called Daddy O, and it's really more for gray hair. Um, but it makes my hair feel really smooth, and it kind of like gives it a little bit of depth to it, so it's not as stringy as it normally is, um, and uh, it's nice. So I'm a really big fan of Daddy O, and then Kalamazoo is a face wash that they have. Um, that's specifically designed for people with beards, and it's really good. I've been. Uh, I'm a very big fan of that too. I've been using the purple stuff to like to just to tone yeah. out the like. But it's gray hair. What we think of as gray hair is actually just like fully colorless. It's white, but like if you had darker hair, it's mixed in and it gives it that gray, steely uh, right. color, which is which is great. Uh, but white hair will pick up all of like the, the contaminants in the air and like well, and it just like it gets that kind of like yellowy tone, which is yeah. I mean it's it's natural, it's part of life, but it's gross looking. Uh yeah. and so the the purple shampoo that uh cosmetologists will use to tone out yellow, like brassy tones to get like a really good crisp blonde also works really well in gray. Uh, I learned from my stepmother that if you use it consistently, it will also give you just this pleasant, like very pale shade of lavender. Uh, so not only will you have this, you know, your bright steely gray, like silvery hair, but it'll even like shift the other way and go purpley. And uh, I kind of want just like ever so slightly purple hair. It never so- <laughs> like, do you remember back uh, like in the early 2000s when everyone was dyeing their hair blue black? Mm-hmm. 
but like it was black but like in the right light it like had that shimmer that iridescent shimmer it, it was, was kind of like ah just such a dark blue that like it looked black but it, like it would pick up the lights and and just carry that blue or sometimes violet tone out yeah i loved that i did oh, that yeah. a couple I think times I, I'm pretty sure I rocked the blue black hair for at least eight years, like straight, like probably close to a decade. I rocked uh, blue black hair, and that was like my go-to. Is I would just be like Clairol blue black bloop, yep. you know, and then ram ram ram, put it in your hair, sit around, play games for a little bit, hop in the shower, wash it all off, get yelled at for uh, <laughs> the shower being stained black, yeah, and blue. Well, but that was good, yeah. And it's funny that you mentioned like you know you, investing in quality, which is really what I, I have also learned to do in my my later years. Something I didn't do for the longest time, but for shaving specifically, for a long time I really didn't shave more than like, it, it, like frequent was like twice a month for me. And sure. Like I was either growing my beard out, and all I had to do was like clean up around like my neck and my cheekbones, or I wasn't growing it, but I was just super fucking lazy because I hate shaving. I don't enjoy it, and so I just got in a habit at a very young age where like I would just let it go until it annoyed me, and then I would shave it. And that's part of my problem. I recognize that, but also, if I'm only shaving a couple times a month at best, why am I investing in anything but like some some cheap shit? Uh, right. But you know. Rewind the clock back to, uh, you know, just before like COVID really hit and when I had decided like, you know, fuck it, I'm going to try shaving for a little while. And then suddenly I needed to be, you know, wearing a mask every day and, you know, wearing a beard was problematic for me. Yeah. Uh, like I, I started shaving much more regularly and it, it really like, stood out to me just how bad of an experience I was having. So I'm, I'm hoping to solve that. I, I really am. I, I uh, hope so too. I, I I maintain though that three is the perfect number of blades. Yeah. Even okay. like one blade will will tear me up. Two clogs too easily, and I found that like even numbers seem to to clog more more easily, like a, a four blade more so than a three. Uh, five is just like once you get past four, the heads just start to get so fucking large that like yeah, it does, it's like, like a, yeah, like I might as well just like be. Just you know, line a piece of sandpaper with with razor blades and just like scrape it along my face. Uh, it's a three seems to be the sweet spot. So we'll we'll see as, as we carry on. Most most of them now seem to have settled on four or five as like their standard. Um, yeah. So we'll see. I we got uh, I got a suggestion on Twitter from uh, one of our regular listeners uh, to try a safety razor. I don't know the concept mm. of that scares me, but I'm I'm not against the idea. Sure, sure. Yeah, I uh, I used to get a, a really nice shave from a barber here that used to do with with a straight razor. Uh, every so often, I would do it just for funsies. But yeah, I love the experience of a good barber shave, and I think I probably mm -hmm. told you about the one that I had. Um, and this last time I was in North Carolina visiting my family. Yeah. Um, I love the experience. The shave is never good. Like I always walk away with like patches and you know like there's you know missed a spot like in the corner of my lips and on my neck all the really hard to to get places that like even right. I miss sometimes. But I don't go there because I want a perfectly clean shave. I go there because the whole experience just feels so pampering. Yeah, it is very it kind of falls in line with that like traditional like you got to do it once type thing. Mm -hmm. I think if if you are a person that uh, that shaves their face. Um, you have to do a traditional barber, like straight razor shave at least once. Like that is like a one time, like even if you only ever do it once, mm -hmm. but if you're a person that shaves facial hair, 
it's worth the one-time experience. But find find a good one in your area. Like find one that is like, oh, you got to book a month out for that person. Like those are the people you want to do it for. It almost makes me want to like find a, a good barbershop and like like start a partnership with them where we just like do a like a shave scholarship. Like we will pay for you to go get the full experience. If you've never had it, like we'll do it. Because I really want people to have that. <laughs> I would totally be down for that. That would be amazing. Uh, yeah, you know what though? It is uh, it is April. We have we have moved into a whole month, and we're trying something new. We are, we are. We're like we're all about new experiences here. Yeah. So so this month, uh, we're actually we're we're kind of doing something a little a little weird, and uh, we are covering movies that you probably have heard of. Huge blockbusters. Uh, Huge. I mean, so here's the list of movies we're doing this month. So first off, right off the bat, Independence Day. Which, I mean, it feels, I mean, feels a little weird to be doing that in April and not July, but, you know, it's, we're trying something new. Right, right. Uh, we've got Suicide Squad, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? Huge movie, whether you love it or hate it. It was a huge movie. And, like, a uh, recent one, too, so, like... Yeah. yeah. Uh, you've got The Fast and the Furious. Classic. I mean, there's ten of those movies. Timeless. I mean... Right, so there's that, and then of course the another there's another one of these coming out uh, really soon. Top Gun. Oh my goodness, is another movie we're doing, um, and that's wild. It like really... those are those are huge movies. I mean, we're talking, you know, like there there's some huge stars in that. I, I mean, just out of reference, Will Smith is in fifty percent of those movies. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that's big. You know, that's that's worth a note. Um, uh, so this is, this is a really big one for us. So, uh, that being said, hello and welcome to the Never Heard of a Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Fight, And I'm Caleb. And no, I don't, I don't have anything. I was going <laughs> to, I was going to make some sort of like sponsored post comment, but. We, no sponsor for this episode. Uh, so we're here. Covering, but there could be. Sorry. But there could be. There should be. <laughs> so uh, the first movie we're we're kicking it right off with, you know, this is uh, uh, this this is a big day for us, really. So the day that this episode comes out, we are actually going to be our first day on set filming Somnium. Oh my god, which is really exciting. And also, like, once I just said it out loud, I was kind of <laughs> like, oh shit, that's a week away. Oh my god, it's so much to do still. Uh, yeah, but. Uh, so, uh, Independence Day, I, I, you know what? I, I gotta say that, you know, I was, I, I remember watching this movie, you know, in, in the nineties when it came out. It yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah. It was huge. And I, you know, I remember like, you know, every, I mean, God, everybody talked about this movie forever in rewatching it. Will Smith's not in this movie at all. Yeah. I don't, I, I, I kept looking for him. Like I was expecting and like I don't know if this is like one of those Mandela effect things, like the the, the Shazam movie or what. But right. like, I didn't see Will Smith, and like, I like, I, I wasn't Jeff Goldblum supposed to be in this movie too? I I thought Jeff Goldblum and Will Smith were the main character of this movie, and I never saw them once. Uh, in fact, I don't think there were any black people in, or Jewish people in this movie at all. No, uh, I don't. I don't. And well, actually, I don't think Jeff Goldblum's Jewish. I think he's Indian. But uh, yeah. Is he? I th I'm not sure. I I always I always confuse that because I'm always like, oh right, Jeff Goldblum's Jewish, and then I'm like, no wait, Jeff Goldblum's not Jewish. He's actually something. I'm pretty like, surprising. I'm I was fairly certain that he was uh, of Jewish descent. 
No. Yeah. Is he? Is he kid? No. no. Um. No. I just what? Yeah. Born to Jewish parents. Uh, he's okay. He's another okay. October baby. He's uh, he's another. All right. Then there we go. Yeah. <laughs> so and and the, there was I, the I, other big catchphrase. I think I I think he, he like you might mistake him for being uh, South Asian because we joke so much that our, our friend Jaisal looks like Jeff Goldblum. Uh, that's probably or what specifically it is. looks like young Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> he does look like young Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. Uh, back in his more Tanner days, uh, Jeff Goldblum, uh, back in the Fly era. Oh. Uh, that's probably what it is. Um, and, and, you know, there was another big thing like the... <laughs> the, uh, the big catchphrase, of course, welcome to Earth, yeah. and he punches the alien. Yeah. It was welcome to America. Wait, I, were there even any aliens in this movie? I don't even... Th- hang on. Uh, you know What? What? The name of this movie is actually Independence Disaster. So, like, I think we watched the wrong movie. Oh, god damn it! I, god. <laughs> how did that happen? I mean, what a what a clerical error on our part. That's, we just like I feel like we don't we don't ever do this. Like we're we, we're usually we so do. on top of things. I we are uh, like a steel trap over here, <laughs> and this is uh, listeners. We apologize. So, what the what fuck a, did we watch? What a grotesque mistake on our part. So we actually watched the movie Independence Disaster. Uh, so this is a 2013 movie, uh, which actually has Tom Everett Scott in it. And I was disappointed because Tom Everett Scott is in one of my like favorite movies of all time, which is That Thing You Do. Um, he is he's guy. He's the drummer, the main kind of like dude of the movie. And I saw him in this movie, and I was like, oh, Tom, buddy. Like, what are you doing, man? Like, call call up your buddy Tom Hanks and be like, hey, like, if you don't if you don't get me a better role, like, I got to star in Independence Disaster to, like, make it, like, to, like, afford food for my family. Like, I, I need your help here. You know, like, lean on your actor friend. I'm just... So, I was... Maybe ten or fifteen minutes into this film, when I first messaged you, because I I had I had been looking at uh, IMDb uh, as I was yeah. watching this disaster of a film. Uh, you already know, but if if you didn't know, would you, would you care to take a stab at what the the budget for this film was? Uh, I I do know, but I don't remember. So I'm gonna say like probably five million. One point eight million. Oh boy. One one point eight million U.S. dollars estimated. We don't okay. we don't know exactly, but an estimated sure. one point eight million U.S. dollars went into the making of this movie. Now that said, y'all, uh, if you want to visit nightshiftradio.com slash somnium, we're still running our funding campaign, and we're looking for we're looking for just a, a sweet you know ten thousand. To, to make our film, and I promise you we will do a better job. <laughs> a way better job. It's going to look better. It's going to, the the script is better. I mean, that's, you know, that's a, a big pat on our back because we wrote the script. But it it is going to be, I mean, also, we're not a ripoff of another movie. That's true. So there's that, you know. As far as we know. As far as we know, yeah, I don't, I don't think so. So, um, and not even like, not even an accidental ripoff or like an homage or like, 
you could make a stretch and say like they're about the same talk or topic or whatnot. I'm like, no, this is very obviously intended to be like, you know what was super successful? That movie that happened 14 years ago with Jeff Goldblum and Will Smith. We should do that, but do it significantly worse and not get any like any characters that even resemble the the characters from that movie or even have a similar plot. Yeah. But ours will have giant dick drills. Giant dick drill. Yeah, it's the plot of this movie is really weird. So uh, the the IMDb description is when Earth is attacked by a hostile alien force, a small town firefighter and a rogue SETI scientist team up to activate the only technology capable of defeating the invaders. This movie is uh, is a perfect example Maybe you guys are going to think this is a stretch, or this is the this is the leftist comedy commie coming out. <laughs> but this is the weirdest, most like propaganda film, like subtle. This is one of those like subtle propaganda films. It felt like cause, mm-hmm. for like American exceptionalism, mm-hmm. because like they're like, well, this is happening all over the world. But only America is the ones that are going to do or solve anything. Like on, the only things that are, ha- even though we reference that, oh, it's in Europe and it's in Africa, it's happening mm-hmm. in every every major city. Um, but we're only going to ever say that things are happening in America, and this is America's famous for this, right? Like it's, all American movies. Like I don't know if this is a uniquely American arrogance, but it feels like uniquely American arrogance to say. The entire world is under attack on our Independence Day, and it's up to us to save everything. <laughs> like, we, right. Like, the the audacity. <laughs> well, you know, and the thing is about the original Independence Day movie is that they do end up teaming up with the rest of the world. Like, mm-hmm. there's a very big point where, you know, Bill Pullman goes in and he sends the, he's like, send him, send it out to all our allies. And we see the scene of like, tell them how Americans. to beat these sons of bitches. Right. It's the Fucking Americans. Bill they, Pullman, they've got God a plan of attack. You know, so like they all, everybody, they kind of send the plan out and everybody kills their own little mothership thing. And, you know, uh, but in this movie, only America does everything, like everything, like the first because like there's this so there's this huge contention through the movie where the vice president kind of goes rogue and is like, we need. All right, we'll start it out right off the bat. <laughs> so the movie starts off with a festival in a small town and we learn right off the bat the the. uh Main character, young kid, uh, who was played by Ryan Merriman, uh, who um, ha- he was in the Final Destination uh, three, he was in the Ring two, he was in the the Pretender series, um, and uh, he was in I think this is the Taken series. Oh no, this is Taken. This is another Aliens thing. He's been in a lot of Alien things, it seems. Um, but yeah, so he, he's been in a few things. It, it's regardless. Anyways, he we learned he is the son of uh, the president. Um, his uncle is the fire chief, uh, I guess. Like yeah. he's the the chief fire uh, fighter in this small town. Um, you know, and and uh, 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 Pete uh, is the is the fire. No, Pete is the firefighter. Wow. Yeah, he looks so young in this photo. <laughs> um, but it's uh, Keenan Tracy, who is Andrew, who is the son, and then uh, he's got his friend Eliza, who is the the girl that he likes. And I, we we definitely are going to point out your thing that you text about that. Yeah. Um. Later. So, 
it's Independence Day and cool, they're setting up this festival and there there is no delay on this. They do very much um uh knock off the scene with uh the uh the signal happening and them being like mm -hmm. what is this? Like get get somebody on the phone right away, blah blah blah. Like they very much do it. It is, you know, the aliens are behind the moon and stuff like that. But the exception in this one is that the dick drills are already in the planet. <laughs> They're in the planet? The, the, the dick drills penetrated Earth long ago, as far as we know, <laughs> possibly before human civilization even existed. Uh, and one might say in order to seed the planet. Uh, <laughs> yet the, they, they made that joke. That's not even mine. They did, I, I mean, no they did it. I know. Like, they said it. Uh, so here's, like... I told you uh, uh, when I when my, I made my first initial comments about the budget of the films, I said I'm not ready to say whether they should be ashamed of themselves, but I think that that'll be my final conclusion. Uh, sure. And it really was not much further into the film when I made that conclusion. And it was the moment the the SETI agent uh, or SETI operative, the SETI person, employee, I don't know, yeah. like, SETI's a, a weird, very, like, distributed and, like, non-hierarchical thing like there is an actual institute that does have employees and whatnot but otherwise it's very yeah. crowdsourced out like that like we've talked about SETI on on the podcast it's a very cool project that literally anyone can participate in if they've got a computer and internet connection that they want to dedicate some resources to super cool uh okay so someone working in a we'll, we'll say a SETI lab uh it picks up on this signal calls his friend uh, uh, Celia, uh, who is on the side of the road with car troubles. Uh, and he's like, open your, or turn on your computer right now. And she's like, I, I have more important things. He's like, no, turn on your computer. And she opens it up and it immediately, like, not only like powers up, connects to whatever in the middle of nowhere and is immediately receiving the exact signal that he sees. That's not how computers work. Like, no. Okay. Like not even like government issued special computers work that way. You <laughs> Here's the thing people. We are well past the point where it's okay to plead ignorance on the basics of technology. And if you're going to base your entire fucking plot around like technology is going to be used to either destroy or save the world, you have to understand the bare minimum. It is okay if you have made things up, like if, if you have created technology that doesn't exist uh, and you want to lean into like that being a thing, like that's cool. That's imagination. That's been part of sci-fi for as long as sci-fi exists. We have sci-fi because people did that. We now have right. a lot of technology that exists because people did that in sci-fi. Cool. But understand the basics that if you're in the middle of fucking nowhere, you don't just open up your lap seat in the laptop in the backseat of your minivan and have it immediately connect to your like like the secret signal from outer space that your buddy at a government agency is receiving that's not how shit works and right. that set the tone for me right away that like this movie's gonna be full of bullshit yeah you know <laughs> it it reminds me a lot of uh when we did hurricane heist where there was so many like <laughs> Like the hackers, like there, there was also the ha the whole hacker scene in this too. But it reminded me a lot of that stuff where I was like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. "You're you're relying on this cliche hacker persona to like drive your plot, and like 
just take the extra five seconds, like just take the extra minute to explain it something that makes it feel more grounded and real, what? right? Just just take the minute to be like, open up my laptop. Do you see it yet? It's still loading. I, I like, like I'm still connecting. It, it's hard to get right. a signal out here. Uh, right. Give me a minute. I, you know, I'm not on the VPN, whatever. Like at this point, right. especially now, like, all right, this, this movie was made in 2013. They, they don't have the benefit of the, the past couple of years uh, of experience that, that people have had uh, where everyone is distributed. Everyone is like working from, from locations that they would never have expected and having to do workflows that they would never have expected. But like the basic idea of like understanding that in order to even even just have a network connection when you're out and about, like you've got to take a couple extra steps, much right. less in order to access things. And like also computers are like an integral part of most people's uh, per professional and personal lives at this point. The hacker cliches are boring. They like are. no yeah. one is a... I'm in the mainframe. That is not how shit works. You can't just pound a few random keys and you're in. Like no and also we have to stop with like literally any Joe Jackass can walk off the street and be like, "Oh yeah, I can access the government uh, systems for you." Like no. And like right. you, the, you, the I, I it's going to be hard to stay on on course with this, but they're like <laughs> they they Celia is a somewhat interesting character because she is a scientist. She she uh, she is an inventor. She does some cool shit. She is pivotal to the uh, success of this story. They fridge her. They, oh, she is signed sidelined as a side character, and then they fucking kill her for no reason. Brutally and like rapidly, and just before she's like, "You have to get to SETI and send the signal to Pete the fireman." Right. Why does Pete the firemen know how to send the city signal right like of all the people that should have died in this movie celia is the last person that should have died she was the most useful person like that'd be like if if the original independence day killed jeff goldblum in the first act yeah like and sent i don't like, know why, you don't like, do that jeff goldblum's the president's daughter to go like upload the virus like that's right. basically like Andrew and Eliza essentially end up being responsible for uh, taking out the mothership uh, with Pete the Fireman's help. And this is not to shit on Pete the Fireman because, you know, I fucking love Fireman uh, and he absolutely has a part to play in this film. But why is he the one that's going to be able to just walk into a, a, a SETI establishment and like... Not only one, be able to get into the building, two, be able to access their local hardware with like in login credentials for this the this system, and also know what to do to send to transmit the signal from this installation to the device that they've sent to the mothership. Like like I'm not even honestly convinced that Celia would have known what to do uh, if they had kept her alive. But I only say that to hammer home that literally no one else would have. Yeah, I it was very weird. So, yeah, so kind of uh kind of in in the in the last half of this movie, they Celia does this weird 
So 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 basically what happens so we're we're going to jump back to the movie and we're going to we're going to talk about the the beginning of this movie and then we'll we'll kind of jump to the end because the middle is inconsequential. <laughs> so during this everybody's setting up the Independence Day uh celebration, the president is coming to his old hometown where his uh son is who is staying with his uncle Pete. Uh, this uh, the president's son lives with his uncle Pete while his you know the president's off being the president, and uh, just as they're about to land, the aliens attack. So all these little drones, which are just balls that turn into they're they're Bakugan. like they're basically <laughs> just like like spinning tops with blades that just spin and and kill people, I guess. Um, but these giant drills come out from under the ground. And we learn actually later in the film, um, because at first I was like, I don't understand, like, what the fuck, why are the drills drilling up? Like, what are they drilling for? Like, there's not things in the drills. I didn't understand it. But later in the movie, they do actually explain it. And I was like, okay, that's actually a pretty smart plan, although it feels a little, it feels a little like why did it have to take millions of years? It, yeah. Um, it, so basically they drill from under the ground and it releases a bunch of uh, stuff into the air that would basically kill the ozone layer just, and basically just wipe out everything on Earth in one in one go. Artificially stimulating climate change, which is yeah. fascinating that all of the like war hawks in the, the capital have no problem accepting that this uh, alien invasion is going to cause catastrophic climate change but somehow managed to miss all of the everyday ways that we're doing exactly the we're same doing thing. Exactly this. <laughs> Just much more slowly. Yeah. And for more uh, profit. So they're saying that in in five days uh, time, the earth will be completely unlivable. And everyone will just die. And so, you know, they kind of come to the conclusion that that's why they're not necessarily attacking or sending a force down is because they don't have to. They can basically just drill up, let you know, release everything into the air, release the methane in the air, and then just sort of wait until everybody dies. Genius plan on the aliens part, by the really? way. Like massively yeah. overcomplicated from a movie standpoint, but brilliant for the aliens. I mean, what I don't understand is if they had to have implanted these things many many years ago mm-hmm. well why didn't they just take over the planet then when we had no like why didn't they just fucking take it then i don't understand like because we don't learn anything about the aliens in this sense like we learn like in the original independence day you know through data uh the character mm. we learn uh why the aliens are coming to our planet is basically they fucked up theirs so they find the next planet they use up all the resources and then bounce great i mean very standard you know, invasion, uh, occupation kind of uh, tactic. It is a serious stretch, but the only thing that I can think of is that they, like, do this periodically. They just, they move on from planet to planet. Like, basically, they, like, they haven't, they've somehow managed to to have, you know, all of this technology and interstellar travel and whatnot, but they haven't figured out how not to destroy a planet. So they just send their their drones ahead, tens of thousands, if not you know millions of years, uh, you know in advance to prepare a planet. But they don't want the planet to be prepared that far in advance, and then like you know, not be livable for them by the time they get there because of natural levels. I I mean, like I said, it's a stretch. And so they just wait until they're ready to show up, and then they just come along. Or maybe maybe they're they're not using up planets as rapidly, but maybe they're they're spreading out, they're colonizing, 
And, sure. you know, maybe that's how long it takes them to travel between systems. But again, we we don't know. Yeah, we don't know. I think this this comes down to another one of those, if you don't think about it, it's okay, but you kind of have to think about it because it is it is the driving plot of the movie. It is the driving conflict of the movie. So you're instantly like, oh, well, why are they doing it? Because they even say like, oh, they're not attacking us. They're just waiting for the atmosphere to die. Mm-hmm. And then they'll come here and you'll like, yeah, but why? Yeah. <laughs> why are they doing that though? Like, it's not, it doesn't, it, like, we don't know. Is it a conquest thing? Is it a colonization thing? Is it a, oh shit, we have nowhere else to go thing and fuck you? We just don't know. And I think that is important and, uh, to talk about. <laughs> also, why would a species like this have to destroy a planet where there is, like, obviously active and, and sentient life? as opposed to finding another planet that is suitable enough to like for for their essentially like terraforming operations but isn't going to put up a fight. Well, so that's the other thing that I kind of didn't understand is I was like, "Well, wait, if they if they have to fuck up the entire ozone and make earth uninhabitable, and go to just like fucking go to Mars, like go one planet over and you'll be golden because you can live there because the atmosphere isn't suitable there for us. Yeah. So it might be suitable for you. Just fucking live on the moon. Yeah. Like for, for all that matters. Like there, there are, I just don't understand. There are plenty of, uh, as far as we know, <clears throat> fully uninhabited and at the very least not inhabited with complex sentient life that you can like you can go and you can change that planet all you want. And it's a, it's a lot less work. I, I mean, yeah. actually, no, I shouldn't say that. It's not necessarily a lot less work because it may be even harder to transform into the ideal conditions for you. But you're gonna lose a lot less when <laughs> there's no one there to fight, right? Right. Honestly, like, is is Earth the only planet they've tried to uh, to try to conquer that like had people that fought back and like, or maybe maybe this was their first try. Maybe like they were like, okay, so we're gonna. <laughs> this is our first attempt at conquering a planet. There's no intelligence on this planet, and they show up. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a and it's a firefighter with a bunch of fireworks that fucks up their whole operation. <laughs> Which, by the way, is literally what happens. It's a firefighter with a bunch of fireworks that fucks up the whole operation it of this alien invasion force. Turns his SUV into a giant Molotov. It's the Just. dumbest. <laughs> so, so the other thing that you know, we we talk about mothership theory and the whole thing uh, with that. I do like that there is a mothership. Um, but the mothership is filled with drones, and the drones are powered by the mothership. And so it kind of solves the problem that I actually had with Independence Day, the original movie, is that, like, wh- you know, why why would all the things turn off, you know, only when the mothership is nearby? You know, the aliens are still alive. Like, why would they die or whatever? But anyway, so so we know that there's drones. So the drone balls are flying all around. Everybody's freaking out. The president, uh, who, who is Tom Everett Scott, you know, his his helicopter goes down, but he survives. Meanwhile, the, the vice president goes rogue. And I here's the other thing about this is like the president was like, don't attack them. We don't know anything yet. And the vice president's like, no, we need to attack them immediately. Send all your nuclear warheads to them. And he's like, this is a bad idea. And they make the vice president seem like a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Like, he he does this. But the problem is, is that they do 
his exact plan anyways and do end up attacking them. Mm-hmm. So like he's he was right. They t- but they they do it like timing is everything. He's like, oh, we can't reach the president. Ah, we have to attack. And they're like, he the president literally just said, don't attack. And also, shouldn't we go find him? He's like, no, no, right. he's he's gone now. We shouldn't waste the resources. Like, it's a really weird heel turn for the 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 VP. Like, we get this moment where like clearly the president is is younger than the VP in this. Right. Uh which the the president character would have been roughly like early 40s when this movie was made, uh which is exceptionally young for an American president. I uh, think would be the youngest. Although, yeah. Yeah. Although you technically only have to be age 35. Uh Yeah. To be president, uh, it somehow manages to be like I don't know that there's ever been one who was younger than fifty. Um, but uh, 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 Theodore Roosevelt assumed the presidency in September 1901 at 43. Oh, look at that! Uh, but John F. Kennedy was the youngest elected president at 43. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yep. So it's 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 very uncommon. For us to have a... a, a oh, yeah, he, I'm sorry. Uh, 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 Teddy Roosevelt was 42 when yeah. he became president, but he wasn't elected at 42. It was because of McKinley's assassination. So yeah. He took the presidency. Yeah. But so there, there's this whole point where, like, obviously the president is younger, and then the VP is like, I was in Washington when you were still taking poli-sci 101, blah, blah, blah. Like, mm-hmm. like he's, he's a bitter old politician who's been waiting for his day. And literally the moment that they get a distress distress call that uh, Marine One, the helicopter, is going down, which the call is made. I, I looked for goofs in IMDb, and it's not listed. But the call is made. Marine One is going down before the helicopter is shot. Like, the helicopter yeah. is still fully intact and still in the air. And they're, they're saying, like, we are crashing. I'm like... That's not happening, though. But anyway, right. literally the moment that call is made, he's like, well, I guess that guy's lost. I'm in charge now, and uh, I say nuke him. And yes, they do eventually send the nukes in order to destroy the mothership. Surprise. Uh, fucking, like, Cold War-era missile from Iowa uh, is the one that breaks through and destroys the mothership. Uh, but it was all about the timing because the, the advisors are like, we don't know what kind of defensive capabilities they have. I mean, there's right. They didn't reasonable. They literally knew nothing about this species other than, uh, some giant dick drills popped out of the ground and some giant balls are flying around in the air. Uh, this isn't. This is a very sexually repressed movie, I think. <laughs> totally. Yeah, because it's, it's dick and balls, really. Just constant dick and balls everywhere. <laughs> so many penises. Just dicks and balls destroying the earth, which, I mean, <laughs> there's an allegory in there, so... <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I, that also did drive me crazy, though, that there was never any sort of, like, somebody go and... Fuck, like, go fucking shoot it like there's no military forces like the only thing they do is they scramble some jets and they all get fucking killed but there's no ground forces that go and like try to stop a tank and like take it apart and see what's going on like there never is any attempt that we see where they attempt to find out anything and they nobody s- ever tries to find out anything about them they say they're going to earlier on and they don't and then conveniently uh the drones come back and salvage all of the their destroyed uh, you know, uh, counterparts 
So there's nothing left behind to discover, except once. And they just happen, Celia and Pete the fireman happen to discover this mystical power supply inside one of the drones that just, you know, automatically charges up to full anything that it comes in close contact with. Sure. <laughs> here's, the, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Okay. Wireless charging exists. That's real technology. It really sure. wasn't a thing in 2013, 2012, whenever this movie was filmed. It really wasn't, but like it was it was conceivable. Yes. But I feel like even then they would have realized that in order for this technology to work, the thing being charged has to be designed that way. Right. You can't just shove this mystical power supply into a destroyed transformer on a fucking power line outside the city building and magically the power comes back. And it just sort of works. Yeah, that was kind of the weirdest thing because uh, I, you know, I found it hard to fully concentrate on this movie. And they were like, we have a power source. And then all of a sudden they were like, okay, now plug in the power source. And I'm like, wait, like... Here in America, I can't fly to England and just plug in my fucking phone. I have no! to buy a whole set of plugs, a whole completely different set of plugs and power cycling because from across a fucking ocean, we still can't come up with the standardized energy power cycling or outlet thing. So you're telling me that this obviously ancient, uh, you know, intelligent alien race, you're just going to pick it up and be like, Oh, it's like a fucking lightning cable. I'm just going to plug it in then. It's USB. It's USB, it's USB man. Like uh, fucking everybody works. Plug. Oh, look, it's the right amount of power because, mind you, there's also AC and DC power. <sighs> Tesla, Edison. You know, we got both the different powers. And even that is just like, yeah, that's fine. You know, eh. I just plug my AA battery into my fucking car and it started running. You know, like <laughs> it's, it doesn't make sense. And yes, it's not, this is not a movie that you, we are nitpicking this movie on those sort of things. Even if we stopped nitpicking about all of that, it's still a terrible movie. This power it's supply still, will charge all of your devices, except your iPhone, because it doesn't have a lightning connection. Uh, right. <laughs> right. That, like, that's the thing, though, is like, shit like this, like, I can, I can forgive a little bit of bogus, bogus tech wizardry in a movie. If sure. if the movie is good, if there's a, a fun plot that is moving along fast enough that I don't have time to fixate on all of the things that they got so blatantly wrong. But when you base your entire movie around these like obvious glaring, like no, I can't even call them mistakes because they're intentional. They're just wrong. I, I can't get past that in order to not be angry. Like, yeah, especially when you go out of your way to try to explain it and you, your explanation is so far fetched that it's like I I can't I can't follow this. Mhm. 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 And oh my god. So like Celia has this this sound cannon basically. Uh yeah. she calls it a phonon cannon or a phonon emitter or something like that which like yeah. people are like oh photon it's light. No. Like and she doesn't really do a particularly good job of explaining what it is or what it's for. Or if it is, if she did, I fucking zoned out because it felt like bullshit. But basically, she has this sonic emitter that they, as a last-ditch effort, they fire at one of the drones and it knocks it out of the air. And they're like, oh, we don't know why this worked, but it works. They later establish that you know, 
the 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 things are remotely controlled. So they're like, oh, it must have knocked out its uh, its remote connection to the mothership, and that's what caused it to to crash. If we can manage to like to use this on all of them, or maybe even like use this on the mothership, we can knock out all of the their connections. Then we can nuke them. Uh, which okay, all right, that. It's 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 kind of like doing the the EMP, uh, like yeah, it, it has the the same net effect uh, as like the the EMP cop out in in most movies, uh, and you know what, I'm okay with that. That is a that is a familiar type type of bullshit that like I can get behind, and there's enough enough almost sound science behind the idea of like all we need to do is cut their the connection the the communications between the uh the transmitter and the receivers and boom no more drones cool i mean that's independence day yeah is they upload the virus that basically shuts off the shields mm-hmm. and then they no longer have the protection cool. yeah which I, I dig that um but of course, the 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 device has to fail on them repeatedly, so that they have to find this power source, and right. then uh, when you know, later on they they reuse the idea of the power source, as I said, to try to power a building after one of the drones took out the like the fucking power lines to the place. They're like, oh, we'll just shove this in and it'll magically power the, the building. You can't do that. You can't right. just say, oh, this conveniently charged our one device. We're going to restore power to a damaged building uh, with this thing. And then the idea, like, well, like the drones are salvaging. Okay. So if the drones salvage it, they'll, they'll take it. They, they, they try to shoehorn a couple of like weird, like Greek mythology references because they're like, we need to know their Achilles heel. Oh, I know their Achilles heel will be a Trojan horse. Uh, like, yeah. Oh my God. Someone, someone just took a, a, a Greek mythology class in, you know, as an elective in their, like their film major. Uh, and they just couldn't wait to make a couple references. Uh, but okay. All right. So we know that the drones salvage. Uh, we know that if like if, that they're going to come looking for this power supply. Cool. So we send the emitter up with them. I don't know, man. The emitter is roughly twelve inches in in diameter. I I, I don't know that it's really going to put off enough of a signal to knock out the mothership. But you know what? Right. Fucking try it. It's the best idea you have. Right. I. You know. Uh, so one fun fact, did you know that the whole Trojan horse thing where everybody hid inside the wooden horse and thing like that, that wasn't real, by the way, that never actually happened in real life. No. Fun no, fact. The whole I, I thought that was Trojan war yeah. is pretty much just a, a made up story. Yeah. A, great. And accepted as fact. I love it. Yep. Um, you know, it's the, how many spiders you, you eat a night type thing. Fuck you. Um, cause it's zero cause it's fake. That wasn't a thing that actually, that's not a real thing. Anyways. Um, yeah. So I think they, if they would have kind of knocked out a lot of the weird, you know, hackery in, in throughout the movie, and they would have kept Celia, and Celia would have kind of been the Goldblum character that was kind of like, yeah, hey, I figured out that their power source runs on insert power thing that we already know. Like, it's just an amped up version of a power cell, of a battery that we already know. I know how to, I see how they put it together. I see how it functions. I know how to use it for our own uh, purposes. I, I just need to finagle it. Great. Yeah. I can totally accept that, but they spend so much time doing all of these other like tech things that make everything seem unbelievable instead of one small 
Like there, you know, in in sci-fi movies, either everything is magical or nothing is magical, and you just kind of have the one thing, right? What's the one thing that's mm-hmm. unbelievable, but you can kind of explain it away with pseudoscience? That should have been their one thing, yeah. right? Like that's that's the non over the top. Like, oh, I get it. It's it runs very similar to a car battery, but it's set up in a different current. I could totally figure this out. Great, great. That's your one thing, right? What? But there's the hacking of the system in a barn. There's this. There's the phonon thing. Like there was just so much that it was like this is too much. The the hackers constantly arguing about who can get into the the military mainframes and the <laughs> like. The like. The hacker characters could actually have been interesting, written better. They they had a kind of a fun dynamic. Is it was uh, it was Todd and Layla or something like that? Uh, yeah, I, she referred to herself as the master. Lenny, or something. Todd and Lenny, like Todd and Lenny, Lenny and yeah. Todd, Ian Belcher, who was uh, he was actually in the uh, the uh, Lost in Space uh, remake. Uh, oh, was it yeah. the series? Yep, and oh, cool. uh, Grace Sherman. Uh, who's been in a bunch of stuff. She's in Supernatural and the 4400 and you know, kind of just like a, a handful of like bit parts uh, here and yeah. there, but really like almost nothing since this film. Like her like her last three things, including this film, were in 2013. Uh, so maybe oh, she's just like, you know what? I'm done. The same for me. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm like I, yeah. I, I, I would actually, I, I think I would want to see her in more, but with better writing than this. Uh, totally. Uh, so... Yeah, the the hacker bullshit and the idea that these you know like jackasses in a barn who like if there's a way to connect to the internet, I I've got it. Like I've got the the the, the fiber and the the satellite and the three G and the four G all working together. If it can be done, I can do it. Like no, that's not how anything works. And, yeah, it was uh, it was that was very frustrating. And like hacking into like uh, the um, the missile silo facility from the side of the road and like holding up a fucking Samsung tablet to video conference the president in. Uh, uh, yeah. You would literally have uh, had better luck just like fucking having him FaceTime with the, <laughs> the guard. Like, right. That would have you, made more sense. You know, I, I think there were too many characters in this movie. Oh yeah, that didn't. The president's son and the president's son's girlfriend, uh, Eliza, they were the they were. I feel like it was either them or the hackers, but I felt like those were, you took you took a half of two sets of characters mm-hmm. that could have just been one character, one set of characters, that would have been fine. Like. Maybe the president's son lives with Uncle Pete because he kept hacking into everything and it was a way to keep him out of trouble. You put him in this small town, mm-hmm. he becomes the hacker. His girlfriend is the Lenny character who is also, you know, a hacker that in the town that he's befriended or whatever like that. Or the president just doesn't have a son. The firefighter is just the president's brother because that still works. Mm-hmm. He still comes with Celia and they run into the hackers of uh, Lenny and Tom, but like those two sets of characters could have been one. They just, it was like, it was too much for having those two people like running around where I'm like, neither of these, like if any of the two of these people died, it just wouldn't matter like at all. That's like, we've already hinted at how there's minimal 
if any diversity in the casting of the, this film uh, at all. And so I, I hesitate to imply that a woman character like shouldn't have been there. But like honestly, uh, Eliza had no purpose. The only thing that she did yep. was like almost get killed by the aliens and have their like goofy friend that's all like ah, better to be lucky than smart uh, right. get get sucked up oh, into yeah. the, the ship and die in her place. Yeah. Which like that was also a a serious missed opportunity to have them like find him later and have him be like better lucky than smart. Am I right? And like have there be a payoff for the like five times that he says that, but like he just I, it gets was a killed. Weird like, catchphrase. So like. You eliminate that character, have her be the one that's like, hey, better lucky than smarter. Like, nothing like something better than that because that is a, a dumb, you know, catchphrase. But like, it, just something yeah. about like, I'm, I'm, I'm just super lucky, I guess. You know, I live a charmed life, sort of thing. And like, give her a purpose because otherwise, her only purpose was for later when she's acting. And I'm putting this in serious air quotes because this is not how I feel. But when she's being hysterical, uh, for Andrew to just grab her and forcibly kiss her to shut her up, uh, like twice, mind you. And yeah. like, filmmakers, fucking stop that. Yeah, that is a terrible, like, I think if, if, in any scenario, like even with like my partners, if they were like in the middle of like blah blah blah, and I just grabbed them and kissed them, they would fucking punch me in the face, and I would deserve it. Yes, you would. <laughs> like that is not a thing you do to solve a problem. Is a terrible solution to a problem. So it, and I, I mean, it's a very like rom com thing. It's not even romantic like, though. It's, it's, it's just, not. It's just yeah. sleazy. It's just weirdly forceful, and yeah, I it was weird. I was just like, what is happening? And it didn't even feel like... Like, the other thing about it is that, like, it came out of nowhere because they never, like, implied any romantic tension between the two. They very... Like, I... You, you, I think you even said this earlier. Like, I thought they were brother and sister for the first half of the film. But, and then later, he was like, yeah, it's just my son. And I'm like, oh, so she's just... Somebody like who is this person? They, I like didn't even make the connection of who even she is. At the very beginning, she gives them some shit for floating flirting with the the townies. So that implies that maybe there's a, a romantic connection there. But at like for the brief period of time that the goofy character Nick or whatever is, is in it, it almost looks like at like just before he gets killed and like you know he saves her, it feels like they're maybe setting up where like. Uh, actually, she's going to fall for the goofy guy. I'm like, oh, that, that, I mean, that's kind of cute. It's still stupid sure. and doesn't really fit the movie, but like, it's cute. I, I can, I can, I can go with that, especially because it flips the cliche of like this random, like classically handsome president's son guy is going to be the hero and he's going to end up with this girl. It flips that on its head. Uh, but no, they didn't like. They teed up so many interesting opportunities for themselves, and they said, nah. Yeah. I And also, like, you don't kill your comic relief in the first part of your movie. Like, and uh, he wasn't funny anyways, but, like, you don't kill your comic relief that early in the movie. Like, no. that that should feel like a bigger moment. And then you don't kill your, your most interesting main character. So... After everything's said and done, they do finally uh, enact their plan. They do send the phonon wave, which basically disorients the drones long enough for them to shoot a missile into fucking space, which kills the uh, the mothership. And 
literally that's it. Like the mothership blows up and credits roll. Like there's not even like any sort of resolution. To, it's just like, boom, yay, we did it. Credits roll. And it was like, I, okay. <laughs> there's this like brief moment where you see like the, the camera pans way out into space and you see more ships. And like right. that I kind of like because honestly, this version of Earth deserves to be destroyed. It does. And it's just nothing yeah. but bullshit happening there. Nobody is redeeming, <laughs> redeeming in that. There's no earthlings that are redeemable. Uh, but yeah, but there is just, there's a lot of like, it's, it's a weird American exceptionalism where only the Americans are doing a plan. Like only the Americans. Cause there is one point where the vice president shoots every nuke at, uh, the, um, the ships. So like no other continents did this. Like no other continents were just like fucking shoot. Like China didn't think of this. Russia didn't think of the well, I mean, we've learned that Russia's nukes are pretty much fucking useless. Like all of their <laughs> stuff is useless now. Well, but like Michael, like, you have to China? understand that it's not anyone else's independence day. Oh, right. Yeah, China was like, oh shit, we should do so. Wait, guys, the calendar it's, it's, it's fourth of July it's, in America. I, we can't the the Americans I, got this. Like it the, I, this is their day. We'll we'll sit out this one, right? You know, there's more of us than there are Americans, but you know, we'll we'll just chill. Um, yeah, it's just it was just really fucking weird, and the fact that no other like uh, uh, Shanghai Fortress did a really good job of explaining why uh, they were the last yeah. ones left because they said like. They destroyed, uh, you know, they destroyed America. They destroyed this country, this country, this country. Like, we are the last city left. Like, that makes sense to me because yeah. then it's like the world did try. Mm -hmm. We're just the last ones to be attacked. So, like, now it's on us and that's your underdog hero story. But America does this thing where it's like, we're the only ones that can do it and we're the only ones in the world that are going to try and we're going to be successful. It's just, we. it felt very propaganda-y. It just, mm -hmm. I, it's probably unintentional. I think it's more of a cultural thing, but it was kind of like fucking 145 something other countries with military capabilities and none of them are calling America being like, hey guys, like, do you want us to shoot these things out of the sky? Like, what's up? You know, like, it's just weird. Yeah. Um. This, so This is a weird so place, man. It is. Uh, so there's Independence Day Disaster, uh, which is currently streaming for free on Tubi TV. Um, this is the part where we normally talk about like how would we rewrite this movie? I would just I would just write Independence Day instead. Yeah. Like it's a better movie. It's 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 the right movie. You know, like that's that was the correct version of this uh, movie. Um, so should you watch this movie? No, I, I can't recommend this. No, but I do want to call attention to one scene that I think was accidentally kind of brilliant. Um, okay. The first time that they, they try to uh, attack the mothership and all of the, the nukes get destroyed. Uh, like there, there was, a, you know, the whole discussion in this like pop-up war room with the vice president, the, like the general and like a member of the cabinet and like, you know, where there's the whole argument about should we, you know, should we follow the president's orders, blah, blah, blah. They, so they show a shot of the mothership up close and it almost looks like they might be like zooming in to like maybe show us the aliens for the first time. And then it's a quick cut and we just see a close up of like behind the general's head and it's dark and is staring at a screen. So he's lit from the front and the general's bald. And so like you just kind of see for a moment the back of this like poorly lit bald head. And I'm like, 
wait a second, are they showing us the aliens? And then it like pans out a little bit like, oh, it's the general. Uh, and like, that was accidentally almost awesome. Like, wait, shit, are they implying that the general is a part of this? Like, what? Is, oh, no, no. It was just. Nope. He is just. Just bald. the way that they cut it. <laughs> and like, but the way that they framed it. So we have this like pan in like close to the, the mothership. And then pan, like suddenly we're like right behind the general's head. And he's staring at the screen. I'm like. Fuck, that's the that's the alien. Oh, we go. no, that's we're gonna see. That's, yeah, that's the American general. So, <sighs> no, should you watch? Absolutely, fucking not. Yeah, absolutely not. This is a skip. Uh, so, uh, so that's it for Independence Disaster. Look, we're sorry we made the mistake and and watched the wrong movie. Uh, we will get it right uh, next week. Uh, next week we're going to be watching the Suicide Squad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We will get it right next time. I I promise. Uh, so look forward to that. Um, and, uh, you know, Hey, thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah. Uh, if you have not yet, go ahead and hit that subscribe or follow button, leave a rating and review. And of course, uh, as always share with 100,000 of your closest friends. You know, it's the least you can do. It's just a click, you know? Uh, all right. Thanks a lot for joining us, everyone. And we will see you next time. father's tragic past, hidden in the adventures of a cartoon mouse. A cautionary tale on the dangers of temporal tourism. A woman searching for answers after the death of an old friend. This is the Storyteller series, a Night Shift Radio original. Every month we bring a new short story to life in a full cast audio drama. We publish a second exclusive story to our online print edition, and we give you a glimpse behind the pages with our author interview series. Subscribe to the Storyteller series wherever you listen to podcasts and visit nightshiftradio.com for more information.